Welcome to HeartSpeak Podcast, episode 145, Coming Home. Welcome to the HeartSpeak Podcast, where valuable insights are shared that bypass the mind and resonate with the heart. Listen, open your heart, become inspired, find the joy and fulfillment that awaits when you follow your heart. And now, here's your host, Dr. Christine Page. Well, hello there, wherever you are in the world. Hope you're doing well. I hope you're enjoying the seasons that are around us. The beauty of nature is part of our home. And as we are heading towards a Cancerian new moon, 9th and 10th of July, Cancer's all about home and family and children and comfort and cookies in the jar and sensitivity and making people happy. So we're in this stage where it's a really nice thing to be around family at this time, whether it's on vacations or just being able to visit them, maybe for the first time in many months. And this Cancerian new moon is really inspiring me to say, what does it mean to be at home with myself? Not just the bricks and mortar around me or the loving arms of my partner, but what does it mean to come home? And this has really been extenuated by the fact that I've been listening to wonderful speakers at a virtual conference, Contacting the Desert, and they're inspiring me and they're reminding me of things that I knew and need to bring forward again in my life. I'll speak about that a little more. And at this moment, just to continue the astrology, there is a lot going on. Mars is in Leo, Mars in Leo is our passion to be in the spotlight, to be out there. And I know for some of you, that's not your scene. I don't want to be out there. But there's also Eris, and Eris is the sister of Mars, and she's the one that stirs things up, gets things moving. And I am so inspired by how many women are stepping up for the sake of their children. This is the time for this. This is this Cancerian energy, women being very able and stalwart and determined to bring about change, not just for the sake of their children, but also for their families. And it's inspiring to see these women of all ages saying, no, this is not the way I want to bring comfort. This is not the future I want to bring to the children of my world. And we are entering this new world. I know I've spoken about this before, but the new world is here. I hear people say, well, the new world's coming. No, the new world was birthed in 2012. I heard very clearly that the blueprint of the new world is here. But we are the ones that are populating it. And what's happening, and just as a reminder, that it isn't just one world that we're creating. We're actually seeing diversity of worlds occurring. It's as if our eyes are opening to many different parallel lives happening at one time, multi-dimensions, different ways in which we may all live together on what we might say a planet, but the worlds we're living in are different. How's that? And so what I see is that there are those who will continue the world just as it is now. No change. And there are those who already no, no longer fit into that old world. Yes, I'm sure that's many of you. 
or that your world has just gradually changed maybe over the last 18 months without you really thinking about it. But you're thinking, well, actually, I don't know if I would go back to that thing I was doing back in 2019. So the worlds are becoming more diverse. They're connected. They are touching, just like petals of a flower are touching, sometimes overlapping. But they're not necessarily exactly the same. I've been looking at my roses outside and hear all these beautiful petals and you might say, no, no, they're all part of this beautiful bloom, but they're not quite the same. Some of them have got a little bit more pink in, some of them have got more white in, some of them have got more ragged edges. So all I'm trying to say is, again, be very mindful of not saying the world is going in this direction. Wanting to just remind us to keep saying, my world is going in this direction. Your world may be going in another one. We meet at certain points, but it may not be the same. And this new world is here, and we are populating it now. So it's not necessarily going to happen in some boom, and now we're there. We're already moving in that direction. So how do we know that we're coming home? We're coming home, as you know, I'm going to say, through our hearts. What feels right to you? But that feeling has to be a feeling that's also within our bodies. Our body resonates strongly with our heart chakra, where I believe our soul resides. Every aspect of our body is aligning in coherent ways to that heart chakra. That's when we know we have come home. So let me share some of the things that I receive or I'm receiving as I'm listening. First of all, I was listening to a wonderful gentleman talk, a doctor who had collected many, many recordings and messages from people who had had near-death experiences. And NDEs are much more common than we think. And many a time, if someone has had a near-death experience, their life changes overnight. Uh, they are more sensitive, more psychic. Uh, they change their, their careers. They're no longer wanting to do certain things. They often get develop healing gifts. But he has gathered all this information. And I think that what I took from his talk was that the majority, let's just say the majority, minority have uh, an experience that isn't so pleasant, but the majority say that even if the near-death experience is just two minutes long, the feeling of love they experience when they are no longer in full physical body, or let's just say when their spirit disconnects from the experience where their body is maybe dying, to this experience of just being the spirit, they experience their spirit or their soul as being loved, lovable, and deeply connected to all that is. And they come back with those messages of our, wow, how did we ever forget that we were loved that much and connected that much and that there is nothing that we need to do to receive that love? Yes, some of them meet angels, archangels, loved ones who have passed over. All of those things happen, but the overwhelming feeling is oneness and to me that's the coming home that's the remembering 
And it's not by just disregarding our physical body. It's our physical body is going to help us to get there. It's through our experiences on this earth, through our physical body, that our soul increasingly reconnects to this oneness. And so that was a really strong message. And I heard the same message in messages that were coming from people who had been abducted, people who had taken DMT prior to the ayahuasca. Again, some of those abducted stories may not be particularly alien-induced. They may well be human-induced. I'm just going to say that. But the overriding story from someone who has flown out or expanded themselves, a better way of me saying it, from their body is that oneness, that coming home. And I think that is something that maybe we experience when we see a rainbow, I always say, or with loved ones. That feeling of there's no separation. You know that moment where you just, you don't want to think about anything because the thinking gets in the way of that, that experience. And what these people describe is that when they have that near-death experience, and if there are people around, or as I say, guides or angels, etc., there's no need to talk. There's no need to ask questions. It's like everything is known now. And that this came over many times was that even if you thought of asking a question, you didn't because the, you were given the answer before you'd even thought of the question. That's the quickness of telepathy. That's the real meaning of telepathy. It's like there is only one mind having that thought. And that was amazing. So the idea that you might be asking questions of your guides, yes, that may happen, but it was a, everybody describes, there were no words, it was a heartfelt communication. And that heartfelt communication was always loving and true. That's when we know something's true, don't we? It's like when someone says something to us that's true, we don't question it in our mind, it's, it's in our heart. And we go, ah, you know, even if their message was, yes, you need to go back to earth again, it was like, yeah, I know that, I need to go back. And some of the other stories that came out, are, one gentleman talked about his life review. And again, he was only, we could say, out of this, in that twilight zone for two minutes. But he saw his whole life flash before him, as is often described. But he said the most important thing, it wasn't about, oh, I wish I'd done that. Wish I... It was the fact that he had the ability to feel the effect of other people in an experience. And this was something that came up when I was studying this new world. Some people call it the fifth world, sixth world, world won't get into numbers. But this new world of ether was that we would feel the effect of our actions on other people instantaneously. And here, this gentleman who was, had this two-minute near-death experience was saying this. He said, I felt the effect of my actions on the people who were in that experience. He said, I didn't end up feeling, oh, my God, what did I do, or guilty. It was just like, oh, knowing that that's their feeling, I, would, I then could be more compassionate. 
I could decide to make choices that would say I wouldn't do that again. It's instantaneous in those very short near-death experiences. But what I always feel is if I could feel immediately the effect of my actions on someone else without being able to say, oh, I'm so sorry, or oh, I feel so guilty, but just like, wow, what I do to you, if you have those feelings, then I do to myself. That's the sort of energy we're talking about. What I do to you through my thoughts, words, and actions, I do to myself instantaneously. Another little story that came out from a near-death experience was uh, another gentleman who had again floated out of his body, was watching everybody working on his body, uh, the doctors and the nurses, and he found himself traveling to where his wife was and she was at work. She didn't know what was going on. And he looked over her shoulder and she's looking on her computer at houses in another town, another state. And he just looked at him, okay, you know, and then dropped back into his body again as he was resuscitated. And later on, he said to his wife, you know, I saw you doing this. And she said, oh, my goodness, literally, I was going to come home and tell you that I'd been given a new job and I was looking at houses to see if you would be interested and whether we would move because I wanted to see if there were any houses suitably, suitable for us. And I think that many of you may have had those experiences where someone not just has a near-death experience, but perhaps is passing over and they come and visit. Yes, have you had that? Where you have a dream about someone who actually ends up, you hear later on that they had died, but they came and visit you. They came to say goodbye. They came to say, you know, you're going to be okay, or I'm just going to leave you, or whatever. Now we understand that as soon as we can lift out, or as soon as we lift out of that physical density, and I'm seeing that as a three-dimensional and three-density body, we have that experience to move around. And we do that in the fourth dimensions within our sleep state, don't we? We travel around, we meet people. But then we drop back into that third density. And the sad part is we then think, well, now I'm back into this physical world or physical body. I can't have that experience. And the truth is we can. And it's not based on the fact that we are stuck in a three-density body. It's the fact that we have forgotten that our three-density body is just a hologram. Whoa, where's she going now? So as I'm listening to all these wonderful speakers, I'm reminded that about 25 years ago, I got very deeply into holograms. And I can remember giving talks on holographic universes and holographic bodies and holographic worlds. And I have to say, people looked at me a little weirdly and said, what's she into now? And I learned a lot about holograms, how you actually create, you split a light, you photograph an object, those lights come together onto a two-dimensional piece of paper or photo screen. And in actual fact, that two-dimensional piece of paper or screen has nothing on it, just has a whole lot of information on it, but it's very muddled. And it's only when we shine a light on it that it becomes a hologram. Or if you actually project 
an image of the same object onto this holographic plate, this two-dimensional holographic plate, then again you see a hologram. And I felt so strongly then and still do that these are terms that we know, don't we? That you might not understand why your world is happening when it is. And you might say, I don't know, why is this happening to me? And then all of a sudden, someone shines a light on it and says, well, what if we looked at it from this point of view? Or maybe you do that for yourself. Oh, my goodness, the penny drops. I saw the light. <laughs> we have all those words. So shining a light on something brings the hologram alive. And that process of bringing it alive is actually not just a, oh, isn't that wonderful, I see what's happening. But that moment of aha is an embodied experience. So every time we see something and every time we, we understand why something happened, our own light becomes brighter. Now, I don't want to confuse you here. I'm saying is that a hologram, we, I've created this holographic reality sitting here talking with you. But there are many two-dimensional holographic plates, I'll put it in that way, that are also available to me once I step to a new frequency or I expand myself to a new frequency. And then either my own inner light shines on that and says, oh my goodness, I'm seeing things in a far more expanded way. Or Sometimes something's reflected to me. Someone tells a story and it's like, I, I know that, that was me. Boom. So what the, the hologram that we're living in, they, they, one could say there are many bubbles, holographic bubbles. And each time a light is shone or someone says something or something, we, we wake up to something, literally we're seeing more holographic bubbles. Let me put it that way. And when we see more holographic bubbles, we may decide that the holographic bubble we're living in isn't the one we want to live in anymore. Yes, I'm going to leave it as that. I hope that helps you. So you may realize and have realized over these last 18 months of lockdown or cocooning that the holographic bubble that you've been living in is too insular, too, too restricted. Or maybe because you had time on your hands, you started doing things that you wouldn't have done otherwise, and you woke up and you saw another holographic bubble. And so you said, oh, I'll go and live in that bubble. And that's the way our world is. It's full of just bubbles that we can make a choice to move within. And as soon as we see a bubble, just as I'm describing with this telepathic communication that happens in spirit, literally, when I think, when I feel that bubble and I want to resonate with that bubble, I'm there. It's as quick as that. It isn't a case of, well, how am I going to get there? Have you noticed that? So sometimes I'm learning something. And I, I get this inkling, wow, I, I, I just get this sense I want to know more about this. I don't have to do more than that. I just have to have a passion or wantingness to go to that new place. And all of a sudden, I'm downloaded with information about that place. Suddenly, I feel as if I'm an expert and I haven't read a single book. And the reason I know I can do that is just like you, 
each of us has a direct connection to the source of all knowing, the source of all consciousness. That's the home. That's the coming home. And so when we get out of our own way and we tap into our heart and into our soul and we say, this is, this is how I want to feel. I want to expand myself into that arena. We literally connect to everything connected to that arena and it's instantaneously available, available to us. Now I'm talking about information, but I could be talking about energy. The energy to make something happen. Have you noticed that when you make a decision, and I've described in the past when I made a decision to leave general practice, all of a sudden, because I made that decision, all the doors opened. My house got sold, my job was uh, put to one side, my car got sold, and suddenly the doors opened for me to be able to make that journey. Not because I thought about it, literally all that happened in about three hours when I went to work and told them I was leaving. It happened because I committed to it. So that to me is a, is a level that of awareness. Coming home is a commitment to yourself a commitment to nurture this dream. It's more than just having an idea. It's like, okay, I'm going to commit to this, boom, and everything opens. And I feel that that's what these speakers have been talking about, the instantaneous actions that are available to us. When I have to say we get out of our heads and into our heart, and we feel the power of commitment, the power of passion, the power of excitement, the power of enjoyment. Boom, everything is there. So one of the other speakers I've been listening to was talking very much again, because this conference was so much about UFOs and ETs. I heard someone talk, um, Linda Moulton Howe, about all the knowledge she had from her work as she had expanded her awareness. And some of the other people spoke about this as well, that there isn't a need anymore to try and convince other people. And I know when I was listening to this that I've done the same when it was a case of trying to convince people that homeopathy worked or that complementary medicine worked or healing worked. You end up thinking, why am I trying to convince people who have absolutely no interest in changing their minds about something that I'm passionate about? And sometimes we think, well, if I could persuade other doctors or other health professionals or scientists, in other words, we, we look to the authority to bring about change. But the fact of the matter, they don't want to change. That's why they are authorities, I've got to say. They've built their reputation on being an authority. Please don't knock that down. <laughs> And so in many ways, the people are going to make a change. It's not that they're not authorities, but they haven't based their whole tradition, their whole personality on this, their, their means of security, their means of survival. And they say, hello, this is me, and they identify themselves to their job. So someone who is so identified with something is less likely to want to change. I see myself as a maverick. I see myself as someone who's constantly curious. I'm constantly turning over rocks. I'm sure many of you are doing the same. 
And so one of the themes that Linda brought out and others brought out was we don't need to convince people. I heard a similar story around the crop formations, which I've been part of for many years as well. People saying, well, maybe it's man-made and maybe it's this. And, and it's like, don't waste your time trying to convince people. You don't have to prove whether or not they're real or not. If they're real to you, they're real to you. If someone wants to know differently, come and ask. And this is why when people say, how could you, for, to me, how could you believe astrology? I usually say, how did you forget? Because I see that their world is a very different world than mine. I never became disconnected from those ideas. Things are very real to me. Unfortunately, I was brought up in a family where they were real to them as well. So I never had to be holding myself back. But what Linda brought up very strongly was that there's been so much talk about e UFOs, UAPs, that we're getting lost. And I think that's a theme that we've been going through quite a lot recently. Maybe it's the Neptune in Pisces. It feels like let's get lost in are the UFOs real or not? Okay, I don't really care. What I think is more important is who's driving them? Who's in them? Who's driving the show? And to me, it's more about do we believe that there are alien energies? We'll call them alien ET. Do we believe there are other beings from other galaxies, other dimensions, other, other places, other etc.? sharing this space with us and my mind is absolutely yes i know it in myself i've told my own story but i look to the stars i look to the rocks i look to the trees i look to the animals they are all interdimensional multi-dimensional et beings and why would we think that anything that had a consciousness higher than ours which isn't too difficult would need a spaceship, would need to show itself. What we understand, just as I saw in these near-death experiences, is that when you are in that subliminal place, when you're in that sublight, that twilight zone between the, the alive and dead, you might just think of someone. That's what he said. You might just say, oh, I'd like to talk to my father. He's there. He, you don't have to call him up. He doesn't have to get in the car. He's there. This instantaneous connection is there for us. And it's not just because these people have a special experience called a near-death experience. All of these things are showing us we can do this anytime. We just get in our own way. Or we're not set at the right frequency to be able to hear it. And so calling. I'm sure you've done this. You've thought about someone they've called, okay? Maybe you thought of someone and you had a dream about them. But what we need to understand is that if that can happen through us, through our consciousness, the consciousness of the evolved extraterrestrial is far greater than ours. Therefore, they're able to step in and out of our three-dimensional, three-density world with great ease. They do not need a craft. Because if I go back to the idea that everything is just a hologram, what I'm also saying is everything is just consciousness. 
and that's hard for us to kind of get our wrap our mind around because we want it to be information let me say it's just frequency it's just we are resonating at a certain frequency other beings are resonating at a certain frequency when we when we experience in uh, either an octave a, a frequency the same or one that's an octave higher then we connect to that being it's just frequency and so what do we mean by coming home how do i know when i'm feeling at home i'm feeling comfortable i'm resonating with myself i'm feeling comfortable in the home that i'm in some of you may say you don't always feel comfortable with your family of origin but you feel comfortable with others again that's your family so resonance frequency is all about knowing that when we're in a certain frequency we're home and that when we choose to get beyond that frequency that's into doubt and fear and shame and we come into a place of peace our soul frequency is so expansive that when we think about someone they can be right there with us right away so I go back to Linda's talk. It was very much it was a very, very big talk, and it's very worthwhile you looking at her work. But that we are, our souls are eternal. You know, this idea of the fear of death, I don't know where I can take you with that because it's not something in my mechanism. Because your soul is eternal. It doesn't mean necessarily although we like the idea of it going on and on and on you know in terms of one life after another but what if your soul is having all those lives now or your soul is living on many dimensions at one time okay i won't get you too lost in there but that soul is a part of the oneness that i've talked about the soul when we're in tune with our soul following our intuition i call it we're in our heart there's nowhere to go, nothing to do. Everything is known. All the energy you need is already there. And you're surrounded by those who resonate with you that we call your soul family, your star family. We call coming home. And that soul has been in existence from the beginning of time, beginning of the universe, whatever we want to call it. She takes us back 250 million years and says, this soul of mine has existed in some form or other, or I should say has taken different forms, but has stayed the same, having its own experiences. Growing, one could say, if you want to say, well, why do we have a soul? It is to be creative. But in that creation, when I, my, I follow my soul, I live my soul's destiny. I not only expand my own inner knowingness, but I expand the collective knowingness. I expand the oneness. So the oneness is not static. It's constantly growing. But we feed into that through our own experiences. So my soul has had many experiences on many planets, in many universes, on many galaxies, through many different forms of my body. And my body has taken on many shapes, many sizes. But my soul's constant. The resonance is there. 
And I feel that where we are moving to is that as people are seeing through very blinkered eyes, whether you have this color of your skin or that color of your this gender, it's like, oh my goodness, you have no idea what you truly look like. And it doesn't matter. Our true essence is what shines out. We've taken on many different forms over many lifetimes. So don't judge me by the form I take when I have, I don't know, three eyes in the middle of my nose and two fingers and maybe I don't have fingers and maybe I just have fishtails. And this is where we get stuck. I think that we've been convincing ourselves that we are the top of the pile and therefore we look at us, we're so superior. But it's not about those things that we may be experiencing with our five fingers, five toes. It's about what's my soul experiencing? What am I able to do when I come home to my soul? Can I, like the people who experience the near-death experience, lift out, talk to people, see what my wife is looking at in a, on a computer as that man did, go and visit people? Can I meet the angels and the guides who take care of me? Absolutely. All of that is instantaneously there as soon as we stop seeing ourselves as separate and remember that there is only the resonance and the resonance is one part of the wholeness, like a beautiful orchestra. Oh, we, I am a note in a beautiful song. And so I wish you all the very happiness, much happiness, at coming home to yourself. But please remember that you are at least, your soul is at least 250 million years old. And you've gone through many experiences. You've been water beings. You've been air beings. You've been stone beings. And this is only on this planet. You've been light beings, and we don't even know what that looks like. So ask that you should come home. doesn't matter if you see yourself in those forms. All that matters is you resonate with your heart like I'm doing. When we resonate with our heart, we stimulate every part of our body, every cell in our body, every aspect of DNA to resonate with the pureness of the source of our beingness. Nothing, no one can overcome that energy. Everything that's happening on a fairly menial level, whether it's manipulation of our genes, whether it's trying to get airway at sound waves, G, 5G, whatever's happening is so minuscule, so irrelevant when we really step into who we are and remember that it is just love. Love is the connecting energy that tells us we've come home. Until next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the HeartSpeak Podcast with Dr. Christine Page. Please check out all HeartSpeak episodes in the podcast archive section on www.christinepage.com. HeartSpeak is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and now playing on iHeartRadio. 
You can also watch the Archive Podcast on YouTube. Connect with Christine on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook, including her newest Facebook group, The Great Mother Calling. Do share with family, friends, colleagues. Join us next time for another edition of Heartspeak.